0: Welcome and let's First Talk Compliance. I'm Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow First Healthcare Compliance on Twitter at FirstHCC, or on Facebook and Instagram at First Healthcare Compliance or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. On today's episode, we are speaking with Matt Georgioff, Chief Operating Officer of Choice Med Waste a licensed medical waste disposal company about medical waste frequently asked questions. We will review some of the questions around medical waste hauling, sorting, transportation and disposal. We will also touch on some hot topics in the industry. We will learn about how to properly package medical waste, how it is safely treated and then disposed of and what to do with home generated medical waste from your patients. So Matt, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Catherine. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you. What are some of the most common problems when picking up medical waste from healthcare facilities?
1: So some of the few things we see when we initially speak to a potential client, uh, we ask them about their segregation of waste streams. There are a few different types of regulated medical waste that are coming out of healthcare uh, offices. I know we'll be getting into that a little more um, throughout this conversation, but segregating the different waste streams is key to getting, one, proper quotes because some some waste streams must be disposed of separately. And then another issue we see is proper storage facilities or areas in a medical uh, healthcare office. So uh, unfortunately, when designing a medical office, sometimes people forget that they should have a soiled linen or biohazard room. Uh, It's really important and kind of a safety issue for your uh, not only Staff themselves, but also your patients coming into the office. You really want these uh, either sharps containers or the medical waste box. That once these sharps containers leave the wall, they can go into their own area, so no one can get um, no one can get into these containers and possibly get uh, infected with any pathogens. And the final thing that we see is packaging. Really want to make sure you have the packaging down pat with your staff. If a a medical waste hauler like ourselves shows up and a box is leaking, something's protruding the box, it causes a lot of issues because we are not allowed to pick up that box and put it in a truck and send it down the highway. So those are pretty much the three main issues that we come across when visiting a uh, with a first visit on a potential customer.
0: So does the packaging now? Does that change from state to state?
1: So packaging itself actually does not change p- from state to state. That is federally mandated by the uh, Department of Transportation. So your most common packaging for medical waste will be a uh, cardboard box with a red bag inside that. That red bag liner is, uh, need to be tied in a single knot and that will seal it from any liquids uh, exiting the box as well as the box will need to be taped with usually two inch poly tape around the edges on the top it cannot be just folded in uh, like you man you manually fold a box the four flaps down it needs to be physically taped so it shuts cleanly And, and the only thing that really changes state to state are the regulations that um each state wants to put in on how, maybe the waste should be handled, what it should be classified as, how you should need to dispose of it, maybe the timeline for either it needs, the timeline that this waste can stay in your facility, or maybe the timeline that the hauler itself needs to take it to a disposal facility instead of storing. So although there are a ton of different regulations state to state, luckily packaging is not one of them because the Department of Transportation handles all that.
0: Now, what are the different types of medical waste and how should healthcare groups handle them differently?
1: So that's a great question. We have real, really four main types of regulated medical waste. You have trace chemotherapy, pathological waste, non-has pharmaceutical waste, and then your standard red bag biohazard waste or sharps. Your Trace chemotherapy is anything that is not uh, bulk quantities of the chemotherapy drug itself, so most of the time that's a lot of personal protective equipment that our clients are using or maybe some sharps that have um, trace amounts of the chemotherapy drugs in them. Those usually go in yellow containers and most of the time those are sent for incineration. Pathological waste is any of your small tissue or organs as well as small animals that are being tested for in labs. This also is usually sent straight to incineration in most states. Once again, that does vary depending on the state you are in. Non has pharmaceuticals or anything that is not governed by RICRA, and that is usually sent for incineration in most states. The red bag sharps is about 90% of the waste stream coming out of healthcare facilities. So this is PPE, gauze, bloody products, your syringes, your scalpels, anything uh, like that that could potentially have any infectious substances on them. Is an infectious waste and that has a a couple different methods for disposable disposal most of the time they're being sent for autoclave and autoclaving uh, we'll get into a little more in uh, down in this conversation but that's your cleanest and most cost-efficient method for for, uh, disposing of the waste
0: so how are each of these different types disposed of and where
1: So as we kind of just briefly touched on incineration and autoclaving are your two most common methods for disposal. Incineration is kind of self-explanatory. They're going into a burner being burnt and then that ash is being then sent to a permitted landfill locally in that area of the incinerator. An autoclave is basically a a large machine that steam sterilizes with high pressure and high temperatures. Anything that goes into it, once the material comes out, it can then be put into a landfill that is permitted for specialty waste. Um, A lot of our dental facilities or even some of our other medical practices have seen autoclaves, the tabletop ones, maybe in their facilities. Similar, uh, it's the exact same technology, but think now about... 400 times that size and you're wheeling carts and carts of medical waste into them, treating them for an X amount of time, depending on your temperature and pressure that the autoclave is brought up to. And once that's steam sterilized, all those sharps and the other material in there, that is now um, considered treated and the risk for infecting uh, anyone has been reduced or eliminated so it can go into your normal trash stream trash stream. Now each state will have their own rules on what needs to be incinerated and what needs to be autoclaved. Uh, Unfortunately, some states still have rules that are a little outdated that uh, may not recognize one certain waste stream from another. We know there are certain states out there that may not recognize uh, pharmaceuticals as a waste stream that needs to be incinerated, but best practices are that trace chemotherapy, pathological, and non-has pharmaceuticals are sent for incineration and your red bags and sharps can then be autoclaved.
0: So who is responsible for the medical waste once it's picked up?
1: So we get questions like this all the time, and it's a great question. In um, the regulations, it is technically the generator's responsibility cradle to gear cradle to grave. You'll hear that um, almost every hauler speak about that. Now we do have some haulers out there that say they do take title to the medical waste once it's picked up. And that is partially true. And I always like to break it down like this to our customers. So the reason we have insurance, the reason why we train our drivers, the reason why we do all these extra steps to make sure we're handling it safe. It is because if we do pick up the medical waste from your facility and are traveling down the road, and let's say our truck is uh, not safe to drive or our driver hasn't been trained to drive that truck and we get in an accident, our insurance is gonna be the first one that hits for that. We're gonna be liable for cleaning it up. We're gonna be the ones that um, are on the hook for all spill cleanup, all any of that additional fees or fines. Could they technically come after the healthcare facility that had the medical waste on the truck? Absolutely, but they're gonna be coming after us first. Now on the same side of that, if the generator puts something hazardous in our container, we cannot go, we're not supposed to be going in the containers unless there's a packaging issue to see what's inside them. So for instance, I always tell the generator, why you are responsible cradle to grave is because you're the one generating the waste. When you sign that shipping paper, it puts the driver who's picking it up will put on there how many boxes and of what type of material he's picking up. Then he'll ask, then he'll put his signature and ask for someone from the facility to sign it. When you sign that document, there is a generator guarantee in there that says, hey, this is what is in our boxes. It is regulated medical waste, it is nothing else, nothing other hazardous materials. It, you're basically promising that what is in that container is what's on the document. So if something happens down the road, or we take it to our disposal facility and there is a hazardous chemical in there. And let's say that hazardous chemical affects negatively with the autoclave or the incinerator and something happens. That is still gonna be on the generator because they are the ones filling out the form and also confirming what's going in the container when it's picked up. So yes, when it's picked up and driving down the highway, it is the hauler's responsibility to be safe and get it to a a permitted disposal facility safely. However, the person generating that waste knows what waste is in there and they need to make sure that one, that the waste is properly um, uh, labeled on the uh, manifesto shipping papers and two, It is also a responsibility for them to make sure they have a qualified uh, hauling company to take it to a disposal facility so why they want to put a lot of pressure on the generator uh, is because they want them to really vet the hauler to make sure they're they're taking it to a a proper disposal facility a lot of the issue this the a lot of this came from needles and red bag waste washing up on the east coast beaches that became a really hot topic So they were concerned that generators may be just picking the cheapest option while they're not vetting them properly for if they're dumping them in someone's backyard, dumping them in a river or bay. So that's why you should be asking your hauler, hey, do you have insurance? What disposal facility you're taking to? Can I see your permits? So that really should alleviate any concern that the hauler is gonna do anything dangerous, but at the same time, you need to be aware that that medical waste is still the generator's responsibility, cradle to grave, and uh, the hauler, will be liable for transporting it, but if the generator does not check out the hauler and make sure that the waste that's in the container is the correct waste, they will be liable for any issues down the road until that is safely disposed of.
0: Yes, I remember that. It was a very long time ago, but I remember, yeah, the trash, yes, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance, and my guest today is Matt Georgoff, Chief Operating Officer of Choice Med Waste, a licensed medical waste disposal company, about medical waste frequently asked question. So what do you need to transport medical waste?
1: There's a few main things you need to uh, start transporting medical waste, uh, obviously state permits since every state has different regulations there is a different permit for every single state so if you're um, looking at your hauler they service three or four states you'll notice on most of their trucks they may have three or four different state permit numbers on them so they can travel in between each one you definitely need insurance Um, there's uh, there's a standard for uh, some states that require you hey you need to have x amount of pollution you need to have x amount of liability you need to have an umbrella of this and that kind of varies but You need to have some base insurance no matter what. You also need emergency protocols and contact information. So, every truck should have a spill kit on it in case there is a spill, that there is enough material on the truck that can clean it up and package it accordingly. As well as, every single hauler needs to have an emergency contact line that someone can answer 24 7. So a lot of haulers will include that on their shipping papers or manifest uh, as well as their contracts. So in case it is after hours and something happens, if you can't get a hold of the service team or the owners, then you can call this um, dedicated line. Maybe you have to give them the name of the company or the contract number, and they'll reach out to their list of emergency contact per- personnel. And finally, you need your prop- uh, contract for the proper disposal facility. You need to be able to prove that you're, any waste you're picking up is, Going to a permitted disposal facility that can handle this and has a permit in place. So everything is all good with your customers and your uh, state permits showing that you are responsible enough to uh, dispose of this correctly.
0: And what should healthcare groups look for with medical waste vendors in addition to their permits and insurance?
1: So besides their uh, permits and insurance, which we get questions all the time all the time about, don't ever be afraid to ask your hauler for a certificate of insurance or proof of permits in the state you're residing or other states that they're entering into. They should be happy to provide that. But other things are flexible contracts. You really don't want to be locked into anything long-term um, with any vendor, really. But uh, sometimes we see five-year contracts out there that Uh, have heavy fees if you leave and you should be looking for something a little more flexible or a little more short-term just in case You add doctors add dentists things change. You never know what's going to happen in one to two years You should also be looking for per box pricing model Um, This gives you the flexibility to generate as many or as few boxes a year as you want You want that per box model. So just in case. Hey, the doctor's been going on vacation for two, three weeks of a month, you're not generating waste. You can save money that month because you're not generating as many boxes. Now vice versa, you want to be on the opposite side. If you add three doctors and procedure, the number of procedures you're performing goes up, you're going to generate more medical waste and you want to know your per box rate so you don't have any overage fees. So if there are extra boxes that month, you already have it, you can have it budgeted in of, hey, this is how much it's gonna cost, not, um, and eliminate any of those overages or minimums you would see. And the final thing you should look for is any hidden fees. You really wanna dig deep into that contract, see if there's an energy surcharge, a fuel surcharge, an environmental fee, a service fee, regardless of what they call them, you wanna go into a deep dive and double check that, You once you get that first invoice, there's not gonna be 10, 20 bucks worth of fees that you were not, um, accounted for when you first signed the contract.
0: Okay, now I have a good question. What are the hottest topics in medical waste industry right now?
1: So a couple of the hottest topics in the industry right now is the EPA has come out with a new hazardous pharmaceutical rule and uh, that has been published and I believe it's going into effect in the next six months. Um, you can read up on that. They're trying to clarify what pharmaceuticals are hazardous that fall under RCRA, and what are non-hazardous, because it's really, really hard to tell with the new drugs coming out on the market every other week, which ones fall in the which category. There is no extensive list. So this new has Pharma rule is gonna help generators of these pharmaceuticals, help them um, understand a little bit better and also how to dispose of them. The uh, other two topics that are hot in the industry right now are alternate solutions for incineration. So there are some new companies out there providing different solutions for incinerating medical waste. The incinerators are obviously really, really costly to, um, to run and maintain, and there aren't many of them left in the United States. So that's becoming a big challenge for our industry. And the final topic is reusable sharps. There's a big push for re- reusable sharps in some of the larger healthcare facilities and washing them and making sure those are open cleanly in a disposal, disposal facilities um, area. You are not allowed to open them with uh, any manual labor. It needs to be all but done by a robot. So you see a lot of new companies coming up with different sharps containers, different mechanisms for emptying them and cleaning them at these disposal facilities. So it's pretty cool to see.
0: Interesting, very interesting. How about any exciting technology coming down the pipeline?
1: So a lot of, there's a couple different things here. The I would say the alternate incineration solutions is probably the most exciting. They have these new carbonizers or chemical combustion systems that basically bring up the medical waste to really, really high temperatures, but eliminate all the oxygen from it. So there's actually no flame. So it smolders and turns to ash and is therefore treated. The challenge is you need to find systems that can do the exact same volume as an incinerator. The incinerators you can kind of keep feeding and keep feeding and keep feeding while some of these new technologies for alternate incineration technology uh, may not be able to take on the same volume as an incinerator. In addition to that, we have some new technology coming about in most of the routing systems for us. There's a lot of uh, push towards the electronic shipping papers, um, electronic routes, so customers can then sign tablets and get the shipping papers emailed directly to them. And uh, that has been exciting. It is a little challenge because you still do need to have some paperwork in the truck for DOT purposes, purposes but um, a lot of the healthcare facilities are liking that because everything is stored in your inbox now and you don't have to worry about filing all this paperwork of what you're signing, and it keeps it a little more organized for them.
0: Great. Great. Okay, I have another question for you. Can you tell me more about the amalgam rule and about dental facilities and, and more about that that new rule?
1: Yeah, so the EPA came out with a new amalgam rule. I believe it's going into effect in July 2020. You have to be compliant um, and that basically states that every single dental facility in the U.S. must have an amalgam separator in their water system. So that's this, um, this separator that will uh, basically separate any amalgam waste that's going through the drains before it enters the, the water, the water systems, the public waterways. And the major concern what, of this is that. Go ahead. What,
0: what is amalgam exactly?
1: Yes, amalgam is basically. Um, I think it's about five different metals, but the important one that is a concern is the mercury that is inside the amalgam. That can uh, do a lot of harm to internal organs and the ecosystem when it gets uh, sent down water, the public waterways and into our environment. So their goal is really to to reduce the amount of uh, mercury going into the water systems, uh, going into people's water, animals, ecosystems, anything like that. They just wanna make sure it's disposed of safely. And you can safely dispose of it and recycle it, but it needs to be separated. So a lot of dentists don't use amalgam much anymore. But when they're seeing patients that maybe have fillings in there that used amalgam way back when, some of that can still be sent down the drain. And when you work on 50 to 100, um, patients a day, you'd be surprised how much can actually exit a dental facility and go right into our waterways. So what they want to do is they want to make sure you have an amalgam separator in your plumbing. Um, there is plenty of companies out there. We sell them all across the United States. You can get them drop shipped right to your door and have a local plumber install it. And it comes with cartridges and cartridges. And these uh, cartridge separators uh, usually last from I'd say four to six months. And once, they're, once they've are once they spent their lifespan, you can really just put them in another box and drop ship them out, and they will be recycled. And that's going to collect all that amalgam coming outside, coming from your facility before it hits into the public waterways. So um, it's a really great rule. They're um, doing a lot to try and uh, uh, alleviate the damage done already. And it's good that we don't use amalgam as much anymore. But everyone will need to be compliant. And they actually have, uh, the EPA has a great website on And I'm sure uh, we can post that if uh, people have any more questions.
0: Wonderful. Okay, great. How about annual reporting and tracking? What kind of annual reporting and tracking um, is is necessary?
1: Yeah, so it, it does vary by state. Um, here in Delaware, we do have annual reports. Uh, we are one of the few states that also has um, generator numbers that every person in Delaware must be ge- have a generator number with the state. And then the hauler sends in um, an annual report saying how much they've picked up and where it's been taken from each person who has a generator number, as well as the generators need to send in reports if they're considered a large quantity generator. Now that's just for our state. Other states may not have rules for annual reporting. They may have different rules for annual reporting, but you should definitely check and see the regulations on what you need to report. But the key thing is here, um, you don't need to go through every single shipping paper and every single pickup and start adding them up on a calculator. You need to just ask your hauler, or give a phone call in and say, hey, can I have my, uh, whatever the previous year is usage, uh, how much you picked up, where you took it to. And sometimes it's just good to have that on file. Uh, you, maybe you want to, maybe you start noticing that The hauler is picking up 50 boxes and you have 500 pounds of waste and you're realizing that, hey, maybe these boxes could be packaged with more waste. So you're not being charged for a box that's only a quarter of the way full. So sometimes it's just really nice information to have, but the key is that your hauler should be able to uh, run a report for you and get that information to you within a few days. It's uh, not that hard to do on our end, and we're happy to do it for customers. They're always curious about how much is leaving their facility, and if they think it's too much, maybe they go internally and look what's going in the boxes, or if it's too little, maybe they're missing, maybe they're missing some items. We've had customers say, "Ma'am, we feel like we should be generating more than that, and maybe they go through their procedures and they find a couple areas where, hey, some of this waste should be going in the red bags instead of just your normal trash stream so it's a good resource to have Um, we always tell um, uh, generators to check it out because then you can really see hey is business growing are we doing more procedures are we doing more medical procedures or is kind of or is it shrinking it's kind of a a great great tool to use to kind of check up on uh, what's going on in your facility
0: okay great well do you have any final thoughts for us any special advice that we need to know about or should know about
1: Um, No, I think we covered a lot today. I would say if anyone has any deeper questions, please feel free to give me a call anytime. Catherine has all my information. Um, Just keep an eye out and making sure you're watching your current contracts, making sure you know if they automatically renew, making sure you know when the termination dates are. Um, It's always good, regardless if it's medical waste or another vendor, know when a contract's coming up so you can at least get some second opinions. Um, if the service is great, then you don't have to worry about it, but you may want to review it just to make sure that uh, everything is still fitting into your needs from last year. Businesses change, um, personnel changes, so you always just want to stay on top of things, and medical waste is just an addition to uh, where you should partner with someone that you can trust, who's responsive, and someone who's really going to grow with you. And uh, if, if we can help at all, please feel free to give us a call.
0: Our show today was with Matt Georgoff of Choice Med Waste. Matt is a University of Delaware graduate with degrees in finance and operations management, entrepreneurial studies, and international business. His background included studying in Switzerland, Hong Kong, and Australia. Matt began his career in the banking industry, but with the goal of being an entrepreneur where the customer is first. Throughout high school and college, Matt had worked with his father's solid waste company and subsequently joined his father's business, continuing in his personal goal of being an entrepreneur. Choice MedWaste is a licensed medical waste disposal company servicing all of Delaware, the eastern shore of Maryland, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Their goal is to educate their customers on anything relating to regulated medical waste and how it should be safely packaged and disposed of. Choice Med Waste is a member of the National Waste and Recycling Association, along with the Healthcare Waste Institute. The Healthcare Waste Institute comments on proposed regulations and works along with groups like the Department of Transportation, DOT, Center for Disease Control, and Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. Their goal is to ensure the safe disposal of biohazard waste and is at the forefront of new regulations affecting this industry. Okay, thank you so much, Matt. We appreciate you coming from Choice Med Waste. And thank you to our audience for tuning in to first talk compliance. You can learn more about our show on the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at FirstHCC or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. You can also email me at Short at firsthcc.com. I'm Katherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind.